SLPs podcast. I'm really glad you're here. Today's episode is part of the How to SLP series, where we focus on basic skills that SLPs need in their careers, helping them build a solid foundation for a successful and rewarding career. Hello, and here I am with Kelly Slim. I wish you guys could see her smile. It's as big as the day. And if you visit her website, you will see it there as well. Welcome, Kelly. Hi, thanks for having me. Glad you're here. You are part of our how-to series, and you are going to be the episode we just titled it before you and I started. You too can be an SLP YouTube star. So tell me why you became an SLP, and then we'll talk about how you started YouTubing and your mission. Sure. Um, I became an SLP. I was actually going to school at the University of Georgia for early childhood education, and then I changed to special education. And then I really um, was interested in being on the school schedule or having a flexible schedule and setting by uh, making a little bit more money. And so I, you know, Googled some opportunities and um, a friend of mine worked at a school at the time and she said, oh, there's something called a speech therapist. You should really look into it. Uh So I did and I just fell in love with, you know, all the different settings and all the different options and the flexibility and um, always loved kids. And then it was great to be able to like jump and juggle between settings. I, you know, have worked in schools all ages. So like elementary, middle, high school, um, geriatric home health, pediatric home health, and autism clinic, like you name it. (laughs) But that's like the best part of the field. (laughs) It is, it is. The flexibility we have is just incredible. And it's just like what you did. You just opened that door, took that opportunity. Exactly. And that's, you know, that's what really kind of landed me into kind of like a niche and something that I would, you know, tell everyone if you're looking into the field of being a speech language pathologist, you know, really, I really wanted to kind of like be a medical expertise. But whenever I got in there, it just wasn't a fit as much as I tried to make it fit. And as much as I wanted to learn and wanted to, you know, do all the different roles and learn all about you know, another side, like even like cognition and memory. And whenever I started treating, I just realized, you know what, I'm not really shining here. And so I said, you know what, pediatric, you know, pediatric development or early intervention is like really where it's just not easy, but I just kind of shine doing that and working with the little ones. And so I, as soon as I started buckle down, buckling down into that portion of the field, you know, a light bulb went off and then I was just able to really branch out and learn a lot. It's really fun when I work with the students and I see that light bulb moment for them too. And I guess it doesn't matter where you're at in your career, whether you're a graduate student or like you with a few years in or wherever, just following that light. That's exactly it, yes. Now you have turned on a really bright light lately because just today which is August 19th you said my website was launched today so I went and I looked it's speedy SLP yes speedy SLP.com that's it (laughs) your smile is seriously just huge I'm sure those kids love you yes 
Yes, I've been so excited. I just wanted like, um, you know, a central place for Mm -hmm. essentially for parents. My whole premise in starting a YouTube channel was um, to create resources for parents. I was just shocked at the lack of resources whenever, you know, COVID happened and I felt horrible for my parents that I wasn't able to go out there and they said, I don't know what to do. And then speech therapists, you know, were extremely full or they weren't getting services. And I was a part of this Facebook group for like um, speech language delayed toddlers. And I saw in there a bunch of parents saying, I don't know what to do. You know, I'm not able to get on a wait list right now for an evaluation. My child's doing this. And so I started offering suggestions and it's harder to explain. It's better whenever you can coach the parent, but you can also model it and show them with, you know, with your hands and their hands and show them the material. And this is what you do holding it next to your mouth. And so whenever I was able to film that first video, I was shocked. I mean, that first video, looking back on it was terrible. I mean, it really wasn't good. I was holding the camera the wrong way and it was shaky and I was talking too fast, (laughs) but that video got like over a thousand hits just that first night. And I thought, man, like people really need help resources. Mm -hmm. And so that is uh, how I started. I just kept making videos and then YouTube picked up one of my videos and suggested it for me. And then we've just grown from there. Excellent. I'd also like to add not just parents, but grandparents. Yes, exactly. A lot of kids live with grandparents or caregivers. That's usually the terminology that that I'll say is parents or caregivers. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we don't have like a little magic wand, you know, to fix uh, anything that the child is needing to target or work on. So I just noticed a lot of the time that whenever I would go to the houses and work with the kiddos, if the parents were following through on those suggestions, if they were watching me and then repeating those actions, those kids were just through the roof on making progress. Right, right. That's very true. And then anytime you can just improve that carryover. And also then with your videos, I'm sure parents go back or caregivers go back and, and re-watch and re-watch and re-watch. And then just sit and search your site. You have quite a bit on your site. Yes, I was trying to make it, you know, I have like a resource on there for uh, parents or caregivers that are um, have children with autism and another one that is my favorite kind of niche and that's apraxia of speech. And so, uh, uh, and there's not a whole lot of resources available in general for apraxia of speech because it is, you know, a motor speech disorder. It's relatively new. It's one of the most recent, you know, developments in our field. And so, especially for parents, whenever they get that diagnosis or that suspected diagnosis, they are so overwhelmed and afraid. And so my goal and the reason why I've made several videos is just to kind of brighten the mood and let them know it's going to be okay. You know, you just do these couple of things and take anything as a victory and just small little baby steps. And that's where you really see progress over time. I love your mindset. I have worked with uh, families where And this is a question I often get from students. They'll say, how do I tell a parent that their child possibly has autism? And my response is, you know, they probably know, they probably have some questions. That's why they're there to see you. And then when you give them that, um, you know, in in the clinics I worked in, um, we do not give that actual diagnosis of, of autism, but we can you know, con- confirm that, you know, there are some delays or some some questions that need to be pursued further. And I love being able to hand that family resources 
because I know then they're going to take what I've, the information I've given them, go home and process, and then they're going to start learning on their own. And you're really empowering a family when you give them quality resources such as your own or others out there as well. So, oh, man. I could not agree more. And even let's say like, I don't have a video on a question. So just recently I put out a video and it's all just, you know, question based. So if somebody comments on my video and says, my child's doing this, what do I do? That's how I make my next video. It's just based off of parent suggestions or caregiver suggestions. And so I just put one out on pointing. But before that, I didn't have a video on how to teach your child how to point. So I just Googled and looked up and checked out a couple of my other, um, you know, resources and said, you know, what kind of opportunities do we have to provide these parents with some modeling and some hand, hand, hand over hand help for these little ones. And then I decided to make my own video on it. And now I share that resource along with the other ones. And it's all about collaboration. It's playing well in the sandbox with one another. It's not a competition. Yes. And honestly, that's how I learned almost everything is collaborating with other professionals. I remember whenever I first started doing pediatric home health, I did not know the type of, you know, a lot of the kiddos that I worked with had a lot of extreme behaviors. You know, they were already diagnosed down syndrome or autism spectrum disorders or other, you know, developmental disorders. And they had a lot of behaviors. And a lot of times I was trying to do therapy, but I couldn't get past the behavior to even do the therapy. So I brought in a couple of friends. I brought in an OT for some sensory resources and some sensory work and how to take a break. And I learned things that OTs do in with within collaboration for speech language pathologists as well. And then I also brought in a behavioral specialist and she taught me behavioral approaches to use while I'm trying to do therapy. And now I've taken on kind of that role and now I'm able to treat my, you know, to provide services to my kids even more efficiently because I can break through those behaviors before I start my treatment, which is wonderful. But again, all of those skills, you know, I didn't learn in grad school. They've just been from collaboration, which is the best, the absolute best. I think sometimes in grad school, you learn what you don't know, or you learn all that you know, because going into the praxis, I think you're the smartest you ever are. And then you get into the field and you're like, oh, this is what I don't know. So, right. right having those resources is, is, is huge. I was watching a student one time and the session was, she was beautifully prepared. Her objectives were there. Her materials were there. She knew exactly what she was going to do. What she didn't plan for was some behavioral problems with, with it, with her little kiddo. And the session began to fall apart. She began to fall apart. And we just, we quickly got it all right back on track. And we said, let's, you know, not focus so much on the objectives. Let's do this. She, I love the students I work with. And then I gave her some behavioral resources. And she came back and she was just you know, 10 times better because she had gone and searched for those resources and learned what she needed to learn to manage and do the best for her, her client and, and herself. That is absolutely amazing. And, you know, that's another another reason why I try to provide parents with just one thing at a time. So like my child has all of these issues. Well, let's just, let's just try one thing. Let's try to get them to point. Let's try to get them to attend. Let's try to get them to make that eye contact. Just one thing and focus on that because you can have a whole session planned in your head, you know, for what's your 15 things to do with the Play-Doh. That's fine. But whenever you get there and the child doesn't like Play-Doh, you're back to square one. And so really... 
I just try to let the child lead. I say, mom, what, where's their favorite thing? Like, go get that. And then we make up games. I put it on my head and I sneeze it off. And that gets the child to laugh. You develop that rapport. And then you can just, you know, roll from there and you take all of those targets and you kind of make it into what, what you were going to do in the first place without having that set. I'm going to play with these three toys for the entire Mm -hmm. session. Because I just know from my experience, like I failed in trying to do it that way. Now I just kind of, I just kind of go with it, you know, and I let the child lead and whatever the child has interest in. And if they want to be tickled, I'll tickle them. And if they think it's funny to tickle me, then that's fine as well. And then we, we add in those silly words and I'll pretend to fall down. And then I make it into a social routine or into a little game. And then all of a sudden we're targeting two and three word phrases, doing a verbal routine. And that was the goal, but we got there by not doing the flashcards. <laughs> I bet you are fun to watch. I bet you're fun to watch. Question for you. I yes. work, I teach an undergraduate program in the CSD department and we will review Ash's Big Nine. And, you know, Ash's Big Nine, these are all the things we treat. And I will go find videos of a speech therapist treating articulation or language or something. And they, the students look at the video and they say, you know, Professor, I, that's not my personality. That's not, I don't have that energy level. I'm not cute. I'm not perky. I'm not this, that. And I'm like, no, can you respond to that? As far as if someone wanted to make a YouTube channel or just in treatment in general? Do they have to be like you, the YouTube star? Uh, No, I would say that. And that's the thing is, um, you know, you really have to be yourself. So like a lot of my friends who are absolutely amazing therapists, they are very big on drill therapy. And let me tell you, they get the results. And, and a lot of times building that rapport with a child, you just have to, you know, you're not always the best fit. Like there's been children who did not do well working with me and they liked a sit down at the table and doing, you know, doing the worksheets and doing the drill therapy. And, and I have a lot of other SLP friends who probably would have made a lot more progress with that child. And so I would just say, you know, be you and do your style. And so a lot of people like to have, you know, a worksheet or something to follow. And just for me and my personality, it, it's not a good fit for me, but um, again, just whatever, whatever your clinicians or whatever the undergrad students or any other therapist for that matter, whatever their style is, that's where they're going to see the most success. Right. When they're true to who they are and the way they do things. Right. And what you're good at. Right. And what you're teaching is um, style and ways of doing things, not be like me. Exactly. Yes. So although, you know, the therapists, we have the knowledge and we have the therapeutic strategies and techniques and all of the foundational skills and all this peer-reviewed research, we just take that. And what I'm trying to do is just break it down, not use any type of terminology for the parents. And I'm just saying, you know, using everyday words to just explain what I'm doing and modeling it for them and telling them, take your little one's hand and point to the ball because that's exactly what I would do. You know, a lot of times parents, they just are at a loss for, they'll tell me that seems so simple. You know, you could get them to stand on their head, but they won't do that for me. And the thing is, a lot of times parents, and I know this because I'm also a parent, you know, you have laundry and you need to cook dinner and you need to clean the house and there's other things you have to do. So I always tell parents, pretend like you're going to do a therapy session, set a timer for 20 minutes, work with your child for the 20 minutes and you're probably going to be exhausted after, but Mm -hmm. really focus in and, you know, turn the phone off and, 
do those strategies and techniques that, that I was just showing you or that you saw in the video and really try to target that and then give yourself a break and reward yourself and reward your child for working hard. And that's where we see an increase in motivation, both for the parent and also for the child. Right. How fun and empowering. And I bet the parents enjoy that and the kids too. Yes, absolutely. It's, it's always fun. I, I had never been more tired than working eight hours, seeing eight or nine clients going into the house and just playing. Playing is exhausting all day if you're, you know, if you're doing it correctly, if you're getting up and running around and, and taking all those breaks and really trying to think everything out, I felt, you know, exhausted. And so it really is important that if you are a parent and you're going to try some techniques that you reward yourself and take a break. Right. So for somebody who wants to start YouTubing, any recommendations you have? Yes. <laughs> I would recommend going on YouTube and searching how to make a YouTube channel because like I said, those first couple of videos and like we spoke about earlier with the podcast, there's lots of things that you don't know until you make those errors. And so now I know take a photo to have your thumbnail and download Canva and make a thumbnail for it. And don't just try to screenshot off of your video and then it'll be low pixelated. Then you have to tag things correctly and you can add cards and end screens. Um, and there's all, but all of that is explained. And I learned all that from YouTube after I created about 20 YouTube videos. So then I had to go back in and edit all 20 of my videos. But now it's easier now that I kind of know what I'm doing and it's going a lot better. There's, there's a learning curve with what we do. I had the same with the podcast. I just cleared six months and I went back at a part in time and then organized everything according to series. You do your best and then you, you adjust. That is so true. That is exactly, that's exactly what I did. I uploaded a bunch of videos and then now I have playlists and set things on my website where everything's set up. But at the time, I remember the first, you know, not the first video, because again, that one was pretty much terrible. But after that, and that's what they tell you on the YouTube channel is that your first ones are going to be trash. Like, but you can't give up. That's like not the point. I used to film my videos. Like I'm talking about a four minute video it would take me one hour. Oh, and yes. Yes. And so we would just sit here and, you know, I tried to get it all out and I'd have all my notes laid out for what I was going to say, make eye contact with the screen the whole time. And then I would, you know, start stuttering or, you know, the camera would fall over because it was sitting up on like uh, a um, candle holder next to a picture frame. And so now, you know, I've gotten better and it just usually takes one try now. Whereas before I was filming four right. and five times to say what I needed to say. Right. Right. Or you get so far in and then there's an um or an ah, or you lose your train of thought. That is exactly, yes. Or, you know, I would get off and, so, well, sometimes um, my fiance would hold the camera for me and he'd be like, are you kidding me? You want to do it again? You know, we filmed it three times, but luckily he's very patient. So we would film it a fourth time. <laughs> but the important lesson is that you and I are doing this because this is our passion. And when our passion comes through, whether we're YouTubing or podcasting or doing therapy, that is the energy that excites, that is the energy that teaches and moves everybody forward. Absolutely. Like I, you know, I was nervous, but I'm feeding off of your comfortable energy and your good energy. So it's going really well so far. Well, I was telling you before we started that I, one of my little tricks is, you know, I press the record button when we first get on and then I pause it because that first initial press is so hard and I get so nervous. And how many classes have I taught? How many years have I been doing this? And so it's learning how to be comfortable with what we do. Yes, exactly. Exactly. 
just overcoming all of the insecurities. And here's a little secret. If I think I filmed a good video, I don't, I don't even watch it because I know if I watch it, I will nitpick it and I will find something wrong with it and I'll try to redo it and it's never going to be perfect. And so, you know what? I filmed a video. If I felt like I hit all of my targets in my head, I send it right off. (laughs) How it goes. I don't listen to the podcast as much either. So if, if, if anybody is noticing a problem, let me know, but (laughs) otherwise I would go back and I just, I would rip it apart and then I would never move forward. So we're having fun. We're learning. We're enjoying what we do and we're not being perfect. Exactly. And that's so it, you know, what has been your favorite video that you've made? Oh, that's it. That's an easy one. I actually just made it the very front of my website, speedyslp.com. And it's called how to get your child to talk. And I'm just like smiling ear to ear right now, even talking about it. So this video took uh, upwards of eight or nine hours just to film. And I had my daughter in it and it's all about onomatopoeias and essentially why kids aren't talking in the first place. Because a lot of times kids start with those early developing vowels and then the parents put a lot of demands on them sometimes as far as like, you know, say milk, say apple, you know, whatever you want, like say this word and say is a command. And so one of my tricks in speech therapy is I never say the word say because say is a command. Instead, I would just say like, oh, bubbles. And then a lot of times kids would be like bubbles. And then they would repeat after me because I made it sound like so much fun. Um, and so taking away the command. So I talked in the beginning about taking away the command. And then number two, I model all the onomatopoeias that I could think of. So it was like, I, the very first one is me walking through the kitchen and I just fall down backwards and I say, "Uh Oh, and whoops. And I make all those fun sounds. And so my daughter got to video all of those with me and it, it was a fun day recording. And then I got to edit it, but that took, you know, upwards of eight to 10 hours to film just that one video. But I'm telling you, it's my favorite. I always recommend if a child isn't talking that the parent watches that because it talks about kind of taking down, um, all of those expectations and replacing it with fun. And that's what is going to get kiddos to talk is something that's either going to get them something or that they're having fun. You remind me of a book that I love. I worked with a speech pathologist named Terry Kamansky-Peterson, and she wrote a book, The Big Book of Exclamations. And it's a book full of those. Uh-oh. It's just, it's full of those yeah. exclamations. And, and it's a definitely a developing language book. And you, you turn the page and you, you point, you look, you say, and then the children repeat back. It's just, it's a beautiful book. Oh, that's perfect. I actually wrote that down because um, I really want to look into that book because that's one thing that I always, my first session is, you know, what kind of onomatopoeias does your child use? Mm-hmm. You know, even just little ones like taking a drink and then going, you know, just fun, like having fun with it. I like to roll the cars and we make them crash and then they beep into each other and it's just a bunch of fun. So using those little fun sounds during play and just in regular life. That's what this book is all about. I bought, um, I'm a grandma and I bought all of my kids that book. So when they have kids, they don't have kids yet. Um, my, my, husband has a a granddaughter but when um they open that book with their little kids it's just going to be such a natural language tool for them oh I love that that's so exciting I will recommend your website to my stepson's daughter um she's two and he and 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 his mom the mom are just learning how to 
encourage their child to just really develop her language. And as soon as I get done here, I'm going to speedyslp.com. Yay. Thank you. Yes. That's what it's all about. Actually, right before we got online, I was on this Facebook group and I saw essentially a parent saying, you know, we were finally given an about a, a script for mm-hmm. a speech evaluation, but after calling, we can't afford it. I don't know what to do. Like what kind of resources does everyone have that's free? And I was like, ding, ding, ding. Hi mom. This was made for you. So my whole premise is just free information and modeling and teaching parents. And this is like my slogan that you can be the therapist because they can, um, as far as like just doing some of the little techniques and strategies, even without all of the peer reviewed information and and resources that we have, just providing them a couple of different little tips and tricks and strategies to work with their little ones at home. And that's what it's all about. And I noticed that your website, you, you proudly put on there that you are evidence-based practiced. Yes, that it's essentially peer reviewed and and evidence based. And so let's say like I'm targeting a verbal routine or increasing MLU. I've taken something that I've read about essentially in grad school and done a study on um, Mm -hmm. and then just broken it down into parent friendly language for them. Excellent. Well, our time has gone fast. Do you have any words of wisdom for the new and upcoming SLP? I would say to try to get your feet wet in as many different fields as you can or settings in the whole realm of speech language pathology. And then whatever you're shining in, whatever your heart is in, whatever you care about the most, that's where you're going to find success. And to do that and to do it the way that you want to do it and do your own approaches and kind of not try to follow the mainstream, just follow your heart essentially within finding your, your central aspect for being a speech language pathologist. There it is. That's exactly right. Exactly right. Well, thank you for your time today, Kelly. Thank you, Maddie. I've really, really enjoyed it. I hope today's conversation has created some aha moments for you and motivated you to become a better SLP continuing to connect some of those missing links between what you know and how to use that knowledge. Thank you for downloading the missing link for SLP's podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, I'd love you to subscribe, rate it, and leave a short review. Also, please share an episode with a friend. Together, we can raise awareness and help more SLPs find and connect those missing links and get the information needed to help them feel confident in their patient care every step of the way. Follow me on Instagram and join the Fresh SLP community on Facebook. Show notes are always available, so come learn more at freshslp.com. Let's make those connections. You got this.